Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Welcome to Office Chats, a podcast presented by Madame Blue. Each episode features a special guest sharing their story of success, career advice, and industry insight. And Valerian will be hosting today's episode. Today's guest is Casey Dorgan, the founder and creative director of Sylvan New York, a sustainable luxury footwear brand that turns food waste into beautiful shoes. Welcome to the podcast. Um, I'd love to just get started with you introducing yourself and telling us about your career in fashion and how you got started. So my name is Casey Dworkin. I am the founder and creative director of sustainable luxury footwear brand Sylvan New York. And I love all things fashion. I grew up with a very sustainable mindset. I happen to be born on Earth Day. So when I was really young, I was kind of already gathering my community and trying to get people to understand the recycling system, like kind of before we've had this big sustainability boom that we've had. So it's always something I was interested in. And separate from that, like completely separate interest, I was really into fashion and wanted to go to school and study something in fashion and didn't exactly know what direction I wanted to take. Always loved footwear and then it kind of clicked. And so now I'm in this really amazing place where I get to marry those two passions and get to put, you know, sustainability and infuse it into luxury fashion. Um, And that's kind of what Sylvan New York is in a nutshell. Tell me where you studied fashion. Sure. And then why you chose specifically footwear. Like, I'm curious where the obsession comes from. Totally. So my design education, I went to Drexel University in Philadelphia And I originally enrolled, they had a fashion design and merchandising program. So it's very kind of general fashion. And then they, it's a lot about more industry side. Um, And I always was interested in design, but never saw myself being like a fashion designer in a more technical way. It's, you know, a lot of sewing, a lot of pattern making stuff that I really love and appreciate, but never felt like that was my niche. So I started in this design and merchandising program and then ended up transitioning into this industrial design program when I realized that footwear, I'm trying to like think about how that just clicked for me, but kind of even going back to when I was growing up, I was obsessed with shoes. I always felt like they were the one item that I like had to have to complete my outfit to express myself. And I would just like always try to find like my favorite boot of that season or, you know, like whatever shoe my favorite designers were making, like that was my favorite item. So when I was really thinking when I was in school, like, you know, what am I excited about? What am I passionate about? I started to think about footwear and transitioning to be a footwear designer. So I started studying industrial design and then kind of put together a shoe portfolio. So a lot of it was very self-guided in like kind of figuring out some of the things that I loved and then really just developing them a little bit further. So cool. I mean, I think shoes really make an outfit. You could be wearing the most basic t-shirt, sweatshirt, but if you have like a cooler pair of boots on, it just completes the whole look. I always think about shoes as almost like like they're the, the punctuation, you know? So like sometimes, you know, you end a sentence with a period. Sometimes you've got an exclamation point on the end. You know, sometimes if you're feeling real crazy, you put a question mark, you know, like you can wear a big crazy ball gown and put a pair of sneakers on with it. And like, that's a whole different look than a big pump. So like, 
I've always felt like shoes to me were the most expressive part of fashion or how it was how I wanted to express myself. So yeah, I've been, I've been big in the footwear world. I mean, our shoes literally take us everywhere. So right? I think it's great that you ended up creating them. So totally. I feel like from a more technical standpoint too, like one of the reasons I love footwear is because it is very mechanical. You know, you're not only designing a beautiful object that's going to punctuate your outfit. You literally need to create something that is going to support the full weight of a person when they're going places, when they're traveling, when they're walking, when they're running down the New York City streets. So like there's a very cool, like almost like engineering aspect to footwear. It's a very challenging product. And that is something that always has drawn me to it as well. Well, I definitely want to get into that, but I'm just curious what inspired you to create your own brand? Like when you finished studying, did you immediately start thinking like, I want to create my own brand or did you first want to gain experience working for someone else? It was a combination. I definitely wanted experience, especially because I didn't have a footwear specific education. Like I, I honed in on the fact that I wanted to be a shoe designer and I kind of tailored my education to it a little bit, but there was no real practical shoe design. I didn't have a real shoe design portfolio that was guided from school. And so I really wanted to find a position at a shoe company that I really admired and respected. So I always felt like I would do my own thing eventually, but I, I did really want to see the inner workings of how, how does a shoe get made? What does a shoe company look like? What do they need to do in their day to day? Like what are the other aspects that you might not know about something until you physically experience it? Um, so I spent the first few years of my career, like working for small shoe brands and kind of learning from them the ins and outs of, of what it takes. What are some things that people might be surprised to know that goes into the design of a shoe? Like, do you have a few things off the top of your head you can share? I feel like one of the things that I think that I didn't quite think about or that people might not realize is that as a shoe designer, there's only so many different styles that I design per year or so many collections. So like I actually spend way less time designing shoes than I do almost anything else in the company. So like, that's kind of an interesting tidbit because you think like, you know, I'm a shoe designer, but I spend 90% of my time running the company, figuring out all of the other logistics and operations and marketing and, you know, all of the other facets of the business. So first and foremost, I feel like that's kind of a fun Maybe not so fun, depending on how passionate you are, but like, you know, I love to do the design. So it's not a huge, huge part of the day to day. But I think on a more technical level, if you want to look at some of the fun aspects of designing, you know, you have to think about what is actually going to work on a foot. You can start with the craziest idea, but like, you always have to make sure like I've seen designs or sometimes I sketch something and I'm like, right. But like, how do we put a foot in there? You know, like <laughs> there's like a lot of specific limitations that you kind of have to know. And then based on your materials, you have to think about how big the material is you're working with, what kind of stretch and like how it moves because you have to form it to become a shoe. So a lot of how I design is also thinking about how to work with those specific materials. So like sometimes you have to put a seam down the middle of a boot if you want that material to be able to stretch to form it to have that kind of, you know, beautiful shape to go along with your ankle and your foot and your calf. And that's something that depends on the material you're working with. So you have to kind of have an understanding of what the material properties are of any given thing you're working with. And I work with a couple different types. So for me, like, you know, it just adds to the complexity and, and the challenge and the fun of it. Um, but you really do have to design into the materials and make sure that it's going to be like a practical 
final product that actually works and moves and looks good as a finished product. There's so much more behind just the surface of a pretty shoe that we don't really think about, but you as a designer, like you have all that before you go into making something new. Totally. And sometimes it's iterative where like, you know, you'll try something. And for me, I work with materials a lot of my factories have never worked with before. So there's a little bit of a bigger learning curve. You know, sometimes we'll try something and it it won't bend the way we want it to. So like we kind of go and say, oh, well, what if we added this seam here? Or, you know, what if we changed it ever so slightly? So if it's lower and it doesn't hit that same way. So it kind of becomes this back and forth conversation of sometimes you you think it's going to end up one way and then it ends up designing itself in other ways. That makes sense. Yeah. No. And I want to get more into like your materials, but first I want to know what the transition was like from your career to then taking on your own brand, how you made that leap and what that was like in the beginning. For me, it was a very organic circumstance in my life. Like I, I started my company when I was, I was either 25, 26. It was much younger in my career than I ever anticipated I would start. And it was really due to like some life circumstances, kind of these like, you know, stop you in your tracks, life events. Like I ended up leaving the position I was at. I was the director of a different shoe brand and I was kind of running somebody else's company and something else came along in my personal life that just like totally shifted my perspective and, and how I went about things in my day to day. And so it just kind of made me start to think about what my values were and what was important to me. And I was freelancing then after leaving a full-time role and could not stop thinking about what Sylvan New York was and what it meant. And, you know, it started as this like little seed. I just started to think about like, what would my dream scenario be? And, you know, what's my dream company? And it didn't really exist. That was a big catalyst to try to think about like, all right, well, if it did exist, what does it look like? And so I kind of started designing the brand while I was thinking about next career moves. I had not stopped thinking about the brand since that day, like many years ago. It was like, okay, I want my values to be at the forefront. I want it to be beautiful, high quality. I want the freedom and flexibility of my own schedule. It kind of happened because of life. Just saying, this is what you're excited about. This is what's getting you passionate. Life is very short. So when things kind of intercept your path, I've learned to like listen to what they're saying and and kind of use them as the as the guide. Well, I want to know why you named your brand Sylvan New York and then if you could dig into the materials you use to create your shoes. Definitely. So the name Sylvan, it comes from an Italian word that literally translates to forest-like. Um, so it's very rooted in nature. I think there's also like a almost like a forest nymph mythical spirit creature that uses the same um, root word. It's like Sylvie, Sylvan, Sylvia, like all of those names, they all come from the same nature-based Italian root word. You were born on Earth Day, so that makes sense. (laughs) Exactly, exactly. I'm an Earth sign. I'm born on Earth Day. I've always loved nature, and that that inspires a lot of my sustainable practices. And like the reason I'm so passionate about sustainability is very much rooted in wanting to protect and take care of the earth and the planet. And that is a really good transition also into my materials, which are one of my favorite ways to talk about, you know, how to be more sustainable and how to be more conscious in my production in terms of my footwear is to really look for as natural materials as possible. I want as little synthetic material and I want it to be as nature-based or as organic, plant-based, bio-based, biodegradable. Like I want these really beautiful, high-quality materials 
that don't have too many extra fillers in them. And when you started, did you run into roadblocks or challenges with those materials that you didn't expect? Totally, totally. In just even the last, you know, I've had Sylvan, I officially launched it in 2017. So this will be about three and a half years in. And so I've been developing and looking for sustainable materials for these last four years. Four years ago, it was almost entirely different than the landscape for materials right now. Like we're in the golden age of material development. But a few years ago, I wouldn't work with vegan materials because they were all just straight up plastic. A lot of it was very cheap and it's stuff that never, ever breaks down. And it's very petroleum based. It's very still very resource intensive. It was just never something that I felt like was high quality enough or that fit my sustainable needs. So I worked with some recycled materials, like some of the first sustainable materials I worked with three, four years ago, I worked with recycled rubber tires, rubber soles. You know, I had really great leathers that were very traceable and I still work with leathers that kind of have a similar backstory. Um, But it was really hard to find vegan materials and it was something I always thought about but not something I felt like I could do. Or there were like denims and and fabrics that were great for, you know, maybe a sandal, but it's hard to make a winter boot in New York if it's made out of a cloth. You know, even if it's lined with something, if you still want something that's sturdy or more substantial. So it's been an interesting journey as more and more materials are on the market. I've always done my own research and all of a sudden I started hearing more and more plant-based vegan materials start to come out. One of my favorite things I work with is my apple leather, which is leather, leather, I'll use air quotes, which you'll have to envision, but it is a fully vegan material made from organic apple waste. So it's been really fun to sort of be at this, at the forefront and the cutting edge and, and to take these new materials that, you know, even my factories have never touched before and say, great, like how do we take these and make shoes out of them? You mentioned that now it's a lot easier to find materials that were not available four years ago. Do you feel like that is because there's an increase in demand from consumers for like sustainable products? I think that's a huge part of it. And I think it's got pros and cons. One of the things I'm starting to see from a material supplier end is actually greenwashing, which is something we talk a lot about in the consumer world where like a lot of brands are guilty of claiming that things are more sustainable than they actually are from a marketing standpoint, right? So like we as consumers, we want to be a part of a bigger change. We want to do better things. So we want to buy from brands that say that they're sustainable because there's so much more consumer demand for sustainable products, I am seeing on the material ends, you know, I have all of these vendors that are saying that they make something sustainable or they have green eco materials because they're trying to get, that's like the hot item, right? It's like brands are trying to figure out how to be more sustainable. So these material suppliers are saying, here we are, like, we're going to be the right material for you. So you still have to very much do your research and know the sources of things and and really understand where things are coming from and how they're made. But the fact that we even have to do that is a huge and amazing sign and a step forward that there is a bigger demand for it. And so people on the material aspect of things, they recognize that if they want to be relevant and if they want to do good business, then they're going to be able to cater to that. So there's a ton of development and it's exciting to see. And it's hard because I feel like we're not all the way there yet, especially with footwear. And I don't know if this is going to be one of your follow-up questions, but for shoes, there's so many requirements in terms of durability and um, resistance that a lot of materials that are on the market can't be used for footwear. 
So like I've contacted some of these very cool plant-based companies. They say they'll send me, you know, a sample swatch. But if I ask if I can make a prototype, they are like, oh, well, we're not viable yet to be made with footwear. So there's still a lot that is in development. And I think we're going to continue to see this unfold throughout these next few years as more and more people get on board. I I just need to know like what that process is like to take waste from apples you said how how exactly does that turn into materials that then go into shoes? Sure there's a couple different fruit-based leathers and a couple of really awesome brands that are also working with things like apple leather, pineapple leather, things from orange peel and wine waste so there are a lot of really cool food waste innovations Um, but apple leather in particular It comes from a region in Italy that's called Tyrol. It's in the north, and they are the largest producer of apple products, like like edible apple products in the European Union. So they make juices, jams, you know, all sorts of like, you know, edible apple-based things. So one of the things that they can't use in a lot of their food are the core and the skins. So they skin and core the apples and then set them aside. And so my material supplier, they're the apple leather provider. They're the ones who are taking this waste and transforming it. They literally take those cores and the skins and they dry them and they kind of turn it into a powder. And then that powder makes up the bulk of the substance of the apple leather. So then it gets bound with other materials, some of which are still synthetic. I'm going to be very transparent. It's not a perfect product, but it's still made from like more than 50% organic apple waste which is also great because we're diverting food waste from landfill and then being able to repurpose it into something beautiful. They bind it with these different materials. And then they, if you've ever eaten like a fruit leather. Yeah, like like a fruit roll-up kind of. Yeah, like a healthy fruit roll-up. Yeah, more or less. It's kind of a similar process if you think about it, where like now all of a sudden you can take it and you roll it out into sheets. So they roll it flat. And then they can kind of cut it to whatever, they can make it to whatever size you need because it's something that's being created as opposed to something that's being harvested. Like a leather, you know, you're limited to, you know, the size of the skin that you're using. But with something like apple leather, you can really, you know, make it to size and to scale. Um, And then they do different things for texture. A lot of it's done by a stamp um, so that you can really mimic the, you know, the skin that we're used to seeing for leather much more closely. And it gives you that texture. Then you end up with apple leather. That's so cool. Have you seen that process in person? I've only seen the final result. I've traveled to Italy a couple times and unfortunately I'm not able to go there because of everything with COVID. So I haven't been to Italy in over a year and I can't wait to get back, but I've, I've visited the suppliers in person. So I've seen their headquarters, but I have not seen the production line where they actually physically make the process, but I've spoken to them all about it. And I asked them a zillion questions because I have a zillion questions for them. (laughs) And I really hope to be able to see the process because that's one of my favorite things to see is just how things get made and especially how materials get made and how shoes get made. So I am sure in, in my future, I'll be back with my Apple leather suppliers and documenting the whole thing. Cause I love to share the process too. Yeah, I would love to see that sounds fascinating. Definitely. I had um, Dana Cohen on recently, the founder of higher goods. We were just talking about what sustainability means now that it's kind of like a buzzword. So I just wanted to get your take on it and what it means to you. I've been trying to work on how to distill it down as simply as possible because it's been co-opted and defined and redefined and it means different things to everybody. I've been trying to treat sustainability like the golden rule, you know, like do unto others as you would want done to yourself. I just feel like we have to have such reverence and respect 
for the planet in order to make sure that it, it thrives and survives beyond us. And so I think so much of it is rooted in how do we really think consciously about what we do and what type of impact that we have and what we leave and how can we leave the planet better and treat it with the same respect that we want to garner as individuals. Yeah, that's a great way to look at it. Sylvan York offers both leather and vegan products. I'd love it if you could discuss like the pros and cons of each and why you chose to provide both. This is one of my favorite things to talk about because first and foremost, I consider us a sustainable brand. And I think a lot of people have different notions of what that means, which there's not an overarching definition of sustainability. We like to really think through what makes something sustainable. And there are amazing options in both the leather and the vegan world. And so I really felt like there was an opportunity to take the conversation away from is one better than the other? Does one have a better impact? Because in my professional opinion, I think that there are I guess this is where we'll get into the nitty gritty, right? The pros and cons of each. When you look at the leather industry, the resources that go into leather are so heavily rooted in agriculture and farming. And, you know, you think about the raising of cows and cattle and all of the methane they produce and all of the land that they graze. And it really depends on what region of the country you're talking about, how ethically are the animals being treated. When you think about the creation process of the product, to me, leather has a heavier impact on the environment just because of what it takes to harvest the skin. And then where I think leather becomes more of a sustainable material is its durability, its ability to biodegrade if it's treated properly. So that has a lot to do with how you tan it, which is basically how you get the color into the leather and how you prep it to be used into a product. We work with vegetable tanned leathers. So that's, you know, taking out all of the chemical process. It's taking out all of the chrome dyeing. Chrome is really heavily responsible for a lot of wastewater and the runoff that can plague the nearby waterways. And, you know, there's a lot of pollution associated with a lot of things in the leather world, but it's a very durable material that's great for footwear, especially when you talk about the needs of needing resistance and structure. The lifespan of leather is often much greater than that of vegan leather. So when you look at the impact, if you have to buy fewer leather products over the course of buying vegan products, that's also something you need to take into consideration. So we're looking at the full lifespan of when you start with a product versus when you end with the product. And then on the vegan side, there are great plant-based innovations that are coming out. But a lot of times people hear the word vegan and they automatically assume it's sustainable. And there are, I would say 90% of vegan leathers available right now are made from plastic. So they're, they're cheaply made. They're still made with petroleum. They never break down at their end of life. So I've read and studied so many like one-to-one comparisons of like when you break it down scientifically, like what is the carbon footprint of both? They're really close in the production phase. It also very much depends on who you ask. So like people who only make leather pretty much always say leather is more sustainable. People who are vegan pretty much will always say vegan is more sustainable. So I feel like it's important to kind of meet in this middle ground and say like, let's be unbiased in this questioning and answering. And let's just talk about why some things are good. Some things are bad. Some things need to be improved. And I don't think there's really one answer that's the right answer. So like, how do we just make the most sustainable versions of both and have the conversation be about sustainability and not like an argument of, of who's better. 
your brand is kind of the middleman for that. And I appreciate that you're really transparent about what goes into creating both products. Um, Thank you. Yeah. yeah. It goes back to what you said about doing your research. Like we might see vegan and automatically assume it's great, but it's important to like ask questions and figure out what the real impact is. Totally. And the same goes for leather too. You know, just because somebody says something's leather, leather comes from nature. So it must break down. That's not true either. You know, it depends on how it's treated and and what chemically is going into it. So it's the same on, on either side of the coin is just understanding a little bit more about the process, how it's made, what the intention is, and also knowing that nothing is perfect. There's no perfect solution. We're all just doing our best and it's about progress. It's not about perfection. Absolutely. So now that we've covered a little bit about the materials and the process, I want to learn about your design. So like what inspires you to create new footwear? I think a lot about footwear from like a capsule wardrobe perspective. I start first with the category of style. So like if I'm going to design a boot, I love, I'm such a boot girl. I love to design boots, but I think about like, what's the boot that every woman needs in her wardrobe? You know, I kind of start with function. What does it have to have? Where is she going? What is she wearing it with? Uh, what does she already own? So like, it kind of starts from this place of like, of need. If you only owned one black boot in your whole wardrobe, what would it look like? And what is it what does it have so that you can wear it so versatile? So I kind of start with the style first and then work backwards from there. And then I pull inspiration of, you know, other boots and styles and things that I like. And then I also always go outside of the world of footwear and I look at art and furniture and interiors and always nature, probably unsurprisingly, where, you know, I'm like, what am I inspired by? You know, is there like a plant that I saw a leaf of like, if you scroll through my phone, it's pretty much only plants and shoes, like, <laughs> but it's inspiring. Sometimes you'll find like really beautiful little details too. And like, maybe I see a, a wood grain that I really like. Can I try to figure out how can I incorporate that into a heel or, you know, I find a shape that comes from something natural that I think about like, mm, how could that make a cool detail? I always try to make things that are seasonless and timeless because I think that there's something inherently more sustainable about having something that will last you for seasons and years to come because it's not chasing a trend. So, I mean, I always like to be educated on what other people are doing. I think it's really important as a designer to know what else is happening and to stay current. But I think that if you really want to speak to to women investing in something that's meaningful to them, And, you know, something that I, as a woman, also want to wear and invest in, it's thinking past trend, creating something that's interesting. So it's not just, you know, you could just pick it up from anyone. So there's still nuance to it, but something that, you know, they could wear with any outfit, any season, any year, you know, you could jump five years in the future or go back five and it's still a relevant design. What advice do you have for other designers who are aspiring to create their own brand? I say go for it. Think very clearly about what you want. Get inspired by all of the things that you feel like you have to offer and what it is that you want to see. Make sure it's something you're very passionate about because you're going to be spending a lot of time doing it and just keep going with it. You know, if you find something you really love and you really want to do, like I totally believe where there's a will, there's a way. And even if you start off small, like 
I think that's another thing too, is we feel like we have to do these massive things in order to be successful. And I feel like if you want to start doing something, find a way to start. Even if it's, you know, it's a sketch, it's an idea, it's a to-do list, anything that you feel like is going to get an idea out of you and onto paper and potentially into motion, I say go for it. Where do you see Sylvan New York in a few years down the road? That's such a good question. And something, especially now in COVID, where all we do is sit around and think about stuff. (laughs) Great question. Um, I really want Sylvan to be a brand that opens up a conversation about sustainability in a new way and about fashion in a new way. Everybody wants everything to be all or nothing. You know, like you're fully sustainable or you hate the planet or you're fully vegan, or you couldn't care less about your diet. And I just think there's so much middle ground, and a lot of people just don't know where to start, or don't know what feels right, or feel like they're going to get called out. And I would really love to see Sylvan develop a community and a message behind trying new things and being open-minded. And, you know, you can try something plant-based if you're not vegan. You can wear a sustainable shoe even if you don't live a zero-waste lifestyle. And so I really want Sylvan New York to kind of be a starter for those conversations and a place where people can just try and test and, and not feel judged. What better way to get curious about sustainability than with fashion? I think that's such a fun way to do it. Totally. I mean, people are already experimenting. Fashion is always such an expression. So maybe instead of, you know, buying into a new trend, buy into a new material or, you know, you don't have to buy into anything either. You know, you could thrift, you could swap. There's all sorts of cool ways that you can kind of dip your toes in sustainable fashion. And I think that those are also super important conversations we need to have. Definitely. What is something you feel like people don't expect when it comes to entrepreneurship? It is hard, super, super hard. It's so easy to focus on what's not happening and all the things that you want to achieve that you maybe haven't achieved. So I feel like a lot of it is a, it's a big exercise in flexibility and letting things go and being appreciative and grateful for all the things you have accomplished. So I just feel like kind of in day to day, it's like, it's like a personality test and a toughness test. There's a lot that like emotionally goes into doing the same thing day in and day out and hoping to build upon it and it's not an overnight success. Like no one is an overnight success. Even people who all of a sudden come into the spotlight have been working on what they're working on for a long time. So I feel like maybe patience. It's, it's hard to test your own patience when you've been working on something for years and you're like, okay, today is the day. And like every day is the day, you know, like it's all happening. It's just sometimes it's happening in ways that we can't see it unfold. So that can definitely be challenging. You know, we don't know what we don't know. And I think that that is a huge challenge for me as an entrepreneur that I, um, I know a lot of my other entrepreneurial friends feel too, is like, we're all doing this for the first time. You know, none of us have, and you know, and not everybody's running their first company for sure. But, you know, when you start your first real entrepreneurial endeavor, everything is a new challenge. And so part of it is exciting and cool, but it's hard because all of a sudden, like, you know, maybe you don't know how to schedule your time or what to prioritize or how to delegate, or maybe you don't have anybody to delegate to. There are a lot of things that make it a challenge in the day to day. So you got to stay agile and patient and calm and have good hobbies outside of it, good outlets to just like let loose and good support networks to help you get through. And that's why Dana from Higher Goods, who I know you just had on, like she and I call each other a couple times a week. Sometimes there are times where we've been on the phone every day, like working through problems together just to say like, you know, 
you're not alone. I'm going through this. How have you dealt with this kind of thing? So it's really helpful to have people to call up, whether they're entrepreneurs or, you know, friends, family, partners, to just say like, hey, this is challenging today. Sometimes you just need to vent. Sometimes you want practical advice, but I feel like that's been super helpful. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, it's great to have people who you can, even if they're in the same industry, like you and Dana, sustainable fashion brands, but there's no competition there. It's like just support. And I mean, that only helps both of you grow in the end. So I think that's great. Definitely. It's been awesome to share tips where we're like, you know, we can get super nitty gritty with it where we're like, I set up a retargeting Facebook ad and I'm seeing, you know, X amount of return on investment. What are you seeing? You know, like you can get really practical. And then other times you're just like, I just don't feel like today is my day and you just need to talk to somebody. So yeah, looking more broadly, I would love to get your take on what you hope to see the fashion industry evolve into in a few years. That's a great question. I hope that people are moving forward with authenticity. It kind of goes back to the conversation we had about greenwashing where like everybody wants to capitalize on what's going to make them money because it's a business at the end of the day. And, you know, without profit, we can't do these things anyway. So I understand that's an inherent part of what we do, but I feel like I really want to see this industry take a stance and support the things that it's saying it wants to support, you know, social justice issues, environmental issues, welfare issues. Like I just want to make sure that it's substance and not style. You know, I I really want to see the industry make change because it needs change, not because it profits off change. Yeah. And I think we saw a lot of that a few years ago, whenever there was the Women's March going on in 2016. I think it was Dior that printed shirts that said like, the future is feminine, things like that, where it was like, okay, yes, that's great. But like, what are you actually doing to support women? So when you get past the surface and past the fluff, I think that's when we'll see change. Totally. Performative action versus meaningful action and change. Exactly. Yeah. All right. Well, I have um, a few rapid fire questions before I let you go. I thought it'd be fun to do some footwear related questions. So I'd love to know if you could only wear one shoe for the rest of your life, what shoe would it be? Goodness. I would want a mid heel boot, probably a slip on. So it's easy, but something that I could dress up or dress down, but is super comfortable so that I could just wear it around New York City, but like be like a little bit physically elevated because I'm kind of short, stylish and cool, but easy and comfortable. And I'm assuming black because you're a New Yorker? Probably black, but maybe with like a wooden heel or something natural. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) All right. Well, if it was a post-COVID world and you're going on a girl's night, what shoes are you wearing? Ooh, easy. I'm wearing my white Almasi boots in apple leather. My, it's like a three inch heel, pointed toe, super sleek, beautiful, white, vegan, apple leather boot. Gorgeous. Okay. And then last one, what is one shoe you would never wear? Ooh, um, flip flops. You'll never, ever see me in flip flops. Even at the beach. I wear like Converse on the beach. (laughs) I have a friend who does that too. It's funny. Yeah. Sometimes Vans, usually a slip on sneaker, sometimes with socks, sometimes without. But uh, I mean, I do wear sandals, but a flip flop in New York. Your feet get dirty. They're really bad for your feet ergonomically, like speaking from a professional shoe design standpoint. Not that there, you know, there are flip-flops that are designed more ergonomically, but I'm feeling like, you know, like the, a plastic flip-flop that costs you $10, never in a million years. 
Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Casey. This has been great. Um, before I let you go, please let everyone know where they can find you and your brand on social media and online. Totally. You can find us at Sylvan New York. That's S-Y-L-V-E-N and then New York spelled out and sylvannewyork.com. Sylvan New York's all of our handles. So find us all of the places where you engage in social media. Thank you to Casey for joining me on the podcast today and thank you to everyone listening. I hope you join us on the next Office Chats episode. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary, void, or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. 